BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sif, and I am so happy you've tuned into this episode. So today's discussion is all about one of my favorite topics, which is hormones. So it is with Candace Birch, who is a hormone expert. She is she's just a very, very knowledgeable, wise woman. And I think that you guys are all going to learn a lot from her. So hormones have been of real interest to me because, you know, as women, I think that we are given a lot of just blanket advice for our health without any consideration for the fact that each of us have (laughs) hormones and our bodies all function very uniquely. And um, I get into all of that with today's guest. We talk about everything from the link between weight and hormones, appetite and hormones, the impact of birth control on hormones in the body, estrogen dominance, and basically an A to Z on hormones in general. Candace is just a superstar. She's so, so smart. And I think you guys are just going to learn so, so much from her. So I'm really excited to dive into the episode. Before we do, I wanted to get into this week's hot tip, which is a book. If you follow me on Instagram, you have seen me rave about this book probably a million and one times. It is 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. I finished it December last year and it was just an incredible book, which I recommend to everyone. I feel like Robert Greene is just, he's, he's so, so intelligent and really an expert on human psychology and the research that goes into each of his books are absolutely just mind blowing. He references a lot of, I guess, historical events that have happened, which is why I loved 48 Laws of Power so much, because with each of these laws, he talks about how it's been shown throughout history to have kind of happened. I will say that 48 Laws of Power is a lot less actionable than Laws of Human Nature, which is Robert Greene's other book, which I'm reading right now, because 48 Laws of Power is grounded in the concept of amoralism. 
So, you know, that's not a standpoint I necessarily like to live my life from. And I don't really believe in, you know, the world being an amoral place. But I still think it's a really interesting read. And, you know, it really educates you on everything that's happened throughout history. So I think it's a great book. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So I hope you guys give it a read. If you do, let me know. Screenshot the book and or sorry, take a picture of the book or if it's an audiobook screenshot it, tag me. I want to hear if you guys are listening to the book, reading the book, what you think, want to hear your opinion. Okay. And with that, let's dive into today's episode with Candace Birch. First question I always ask my guests is what was your big dream when you were growing up? Let's see. Well, I, I think I had a series of big dreams. My mother was a model in the 1940s in New wow. York and she had this huge scrapbook of all her modeling assignments. And she was even on billboards and sang for the big bands. And so the, I kind of went, I went down that route for a while but my parents had moved us to Beverly Hills and I decided living in Beverly Hills that I, I started to become more cynical about that whole scene. And, you know, the, the dreams of many who don't get fulfilled in, the, in Hollywood is kind of strewn with the broken dreams. So then I went on to um, dream about becoming a professor and went to, when I went, was in university, got really fascinated with neuro hormones and hormonal stuff. And basically, I guess what happened was I was going to school in Colorado, University of Colorado, got into skiing big time, was a ski teacher, which was another dream, and injured myself badly skiing because I didn't know what I was doing when I first started and and got into this whole thing of having cortisone shots in my knees and taking anti-inflammatories and that's when I decided that I wanted to go a natural route. So I started reading a lot about natural medicine. This is back in the 70s. I was going to get into the health field. That became the big dream to, to become some kind of a health practitioner, but a natural medicine health practitioner. And then went on to, I mean, then the, then the dream, the big dream became, how do I get into this? And, and I went and got a graduate degree in uh, health education. I decided I didn't want to be a practitioner necessarily because I didn't want to be in the place where I was writing prescriptions and trying to fix things for people, but rather become an educator to help people understand their bodies and, and how to stay healthy and prevent disease. So th that dream became the dream, and that's where I'm at now. So Let's let's go back to the nitty gritty of hormones here. First and foremost, like as we've just kind of been discussing and as I'd said, you know, I am 30 years old and I'm, you know, I just got my hormones tested for the first time in my life. Yeah. So when do you recommend people start testing for their hormones? You know, you, you have a saliva test, like talk me through, like if you are at ground zero, what should someone know about hormones? How should they get tested? All of these things. I think at ground zero, the first step is to know the symptoms of an imbalance. And that is, mm -hmm. you know, that's an education in itself because it, it means that you have to reframe how we think about our periods and what to expect you know, what, what's normal, what's not normal. And I think that many women are, you know, very used to having period pain or heavy periods. I remember when I was in college, we had, we'd all go off to the football games or the TGIF Friday parties at the 
at the fraternity houses and some of our roommates would be curled up in at home you know in their dorms in pain, in pain from yeah. their periods and we just would think oh poor patty you know she has horrible periods not realizing is that normal so i think the first yeah. question at ground zero is to say is this normal that i have heavy painful periods or that my periods are irregular so i'm i'm getting into now into the symptoms of hormone imbalance on our website your hormone balance we have a symptom quiz which helps women mm -hmm. determine whether or not they have symptoms of, of imbalance and it helps them go through the different symptoms and realize, oh, that's a symptom of hormone imbalance. I thought I just, you know, I thought I was just uh, flabby, crabby, sweaty, bitchy, you know, heavy periods, painful periods, all of that. So the first symptoms to be aware of are the, as I mentioned, irregular, heavy, painful periods, bad PMS, or PMS at all, where you know you're just in a horrible, irritable state before your period, migraines, bloating, water retention, weight gain that is noticeable, any sort of growths like fibroids, uterine fibroids, tender breasts is a big is a big symptom of hormonal imbalance, mood swings. You get the drift. I think a lot of women yeah. certainly are aware of the symptoms of PMS, and there are 150 symptoms of PMS. These are all symptoms of imbalance. So that is the first step. And then the testing, knowing that there's a test that you can actually do, and there are saliva tests which are non-invasive. The test you just took, the Dutch urine test is non-invasive. Point being though, that there is, you know, there are now very advanced tests for hormone imbalance, and you can take those symptoms that you've just become aware of and confirm them. So that's basically know your symptoms first, get a test, and then work with someone who can help you interpret the test results and set you on a path to rebalancing. And there's plenty that can be done naturally to rebalance hormones. And all the way through this, you're using your test results as a guide yeah. to making these changes. I'm wondering when it comes to hormones, can you also be preventative? Like, for example, if you have no symptoms at all, like, can you approach hormone? testing and like kind of optimizing hormone health before something even happens? Or is that not a thing? No, that is a thing. I mean, you were mentioning you're 30, you've never had your hormones tested in your whole life. I mean, that's pretty common because you're quite young and so many women your age have been, they have had symptoms of hormone imbalance already. They just didn't realize that that's what was going on. They mm -hmm. just thought, oh, my skin is horrible and, it's, and it never stops breaking out or I have excess facial hair or these heavy periods. So what happens, they go to the doctor and, and they still, the default is still to be put on a birth control, birth control. pill. So, I mean, if this, if this is the trajectory you're down, you're going down that path, you know, you say you're, you're 30 now, you could have been on birth control. I don't know your history, but from the many women your age have been on birth control since they were 15 that right there is a hormonal imbalance that's created mm -hmm. by synthetic hormones that shut down your ovulation. So I would say anyone that's been on birth control for many, you know, any time for a year or more, and many women, like I say, have been on them for over a decade and are worried about going off because they, want, they don't want to get the acne back or the heavy periods, that is a very good reason to think about whether or not your hormones are in balance at you know, at a young age. And many women in their late 20s, 30s are, 
you know, they're thinking about conscious conception already. Maybe they've met the person of their dreams. Maybe they are sure they want to have children and conscious conception starts early. That's, that's a really good argument for knowing where your hormone levels at a certain point in your life. You know, at least it's something like over 52% of women on birth control are not even using it for contraception. Yeah. They're using it because they've been put on it for these different symptoms of hormonal imbalance. And I can assure your listeners that birth control is not the cure. It may relieve symptoms, but it is creating deeper and more profound imbalance that's going to, you know, that's going to be difficult to turn around. It's not, doesn't have to be, the effects of birth control don't have to be permanent, but there can be some real work you have to do to get your period back and to conceive when you're ready. So Candace, for anyone who doesn't know the kind of impact that birth control does have, and you know, I was like, I went on it when in my early twenties, I came off of it, thankfully in my like mid twenties, but for someone who doesn't know, and I didn't know when I was put on it, what it actually even did for my, to my body. Could you explain a little bit about what it does beyond just being like a contraceptive? Well, basically it, it inhibits or shuts down ovulation so that you, you know, so that you don't release an egg that is going to, you know, that is a possible fertilized egg. You don't release an egg at all. And that's the action of what most, you know, there's so many different forms of birth control, but in general, they are very potent synthetic hormones that overtake or overwhelm the naturally occurring hormones that we make every cycle and kind of stop them from creating the natural rhythms of ovulation. Mm -hmm. And ovulation is then inhibited so that you don't release the egg. And in that case, you also, in the lack of ovulation means that you also do not produce progesterone. You're also inhibiting the production of estrogen, which grows that egg in the first place. So it's really birth control are, is with synthetic hormones is just a potent way of stopping your own natural hormones and stabilizing, creating a one-size-fits-all dose of a synthetic hormone that's going to keep your hormones from fluctuating at all or going through the normal cycle. And when that, you know, and then in that case, then you're going to have the symptoms and the side effects of the lack of your natural hormone synchrony. And that's where women, so many women I talk to are really wanting to get off birth control because they don't feel good on it. Mm -hmm. It's not natural and they don't like not having, you know, a normal period. They worry about whether they're ever going to get them back. And then there are all kinds of side effects. Again, from the same kind of side effects you can have with hormonal imbalance, but to the power of 10. So, you know, hormone imbalances on steroids. So it's just, it's the difference between your naturally occurring hormones and synthetic hormones that are so powerful that they actually shut the whole rhythm down. And that's not, you know, that's not a sustainable situation. And happily, we do now have some great fertility trackers out there. The Natural Cycles, Life Flow, Flow, by Alyssa Vitti. Yeah, I use that one. Great, yeah, that's they're they're dependable. They're I think natural cycles and flow are ninety eight percent effective. And for the few days that you're fertile, <laughs> you know it'd be better to use a non hormonal birth control method like a fertility tracker 
and and deal with the hormonal imbalances, the symptoms of hormone imbalance more naturally Mm -hmm. so that, you know, you can be be yourself. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's such a big part of our experience as women. I think that, and it's, it's just appalling that we don't have the education that we should around it. So with that, we don't get this in sex ed. No, no. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's not a real thing. And action. Hey everyone. I'm Sarah Gretzky and I'm Natalie Buck. And together we are the net chicks. We're here to talk anything and everything on screen, including what your favorite celebs are up to. And if you want to know what shows we are absolutely loving and hating, well, thank God, because we will be unpacking for you every single Thursday. So grab your Netflix and some popcorn because the chicks are coming. And scene. So what are the different hormones and how do they impact us? I'll go through the hormones that we test in a saliva sample because in in four tubes, you're testing the main sex hormones or steroid hormones. And we call them steroid because they are derived from cholesterol. That's the backbone of all hormone production, cholesterol. So cholesterol has had a bad rap over many years, but it's absolutely essential to the creation of the sex hormones. And in particular, I'm talking about estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So estrogen is the hormone sometimes referred to as the angel of life and the angel of death. Angel of life being that estrogen is a very, very potent growth hormone and it grows all of, it grew all of our female organs, our mm-hmm. uterus, our breasts. You know, when we were in utero, it was developing all of our female organs. And there are three estrogens that women have. The estradiol is the most potent and powerful and active of the estrogens. It's the main circulating estrogen throughout a woman's reproductive years. So that's the one we test. So it grows, not only it grew all our female organs, but then as we get into our cycles, it's estrogen that is dominant in the first half of the cycle because it's growing the egg and the ovary and it's growing the blood-rich lining, the endometrium that we shed as a period. Then midway through, we are meant to ovulate. Not everybody does, which is another issue. Why is that? That's one of the big causes of hormone imbalance. When we ovulate, the idea is we are meant to produce progesterone. Progesterone is not a growth hormone. It is a, it's basically inhibits the growth of estrogen. So when we ovulate, progesterone is produced and progesterone says to estrogen, okay, you did your job. You grew the egg, you've thickened the lining, Now we're going to balance. We don't need any more growth. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to wait and see, is there a fertilized egg? If there's a fertilized egg, progesterone becomes the pregnancy hormone. It is the hormone that that is essential for the implantation of a fertilized egg. It kind of, if you think about it, feathers the womb, feathers the nest, gets Mm -hmm. the womb ready with all kinds of secretions that will keep that fertilized egg implanted properly so that it can grow into an embryo. Mm -hmm. If there is no fertilized egg, then progesterone becomes the great balancer. It's balancing estrogen. It gives the signal, no fertilized egg, let's shed. And so progesterone is the hormone that says we are now going to have a period. And so it drops, it drops significantly to create that shedding. And that's where women often have you know, the PMS, the PMS symptoms that we mentioned where, where you might get 
the migraines or the bloating or the mood swings because progesterone is very calming and balancing and also supports the adrenals. So when it gets, when it drops precipitously, we feel it in, you know, mm -hmm. mind body ways in, in very noticeable symptoms. And then the third sex hormone that we look at is testosterone. It's an anabolic mm -hmm. hormone that builds bone, increases bone density, increases lean muscle mass. With testosterone and DHEA, it's precursor. It's all about structure. How strong are you? How much stamina do you have? Endurance. And then, of course, drive, your sex drive and your competitive drive. And testosterone is also very much linked in with cognition. So when we feel you know, distracted, can't focus, can't concentrate, can't process information, that can often be a lack of testosterone. All of these hormones I'm talking about are often described as the instruments, if you think of an orchestra, and I'm sure you've heard of this, it's kind of becoming a tired metaphor. The orchestra where all the, you know, all the instruments have to be playing in tune, um, mm -hmm. And so if you think of each of the instruments as a hormone, if one of them is out of tune, the whole synchrony is off. I sometimes talk about hormones as being like synchronized swimmers. And yeah. people of my age who remember Esther Williams and the famous movies where all the women would swim and create this perfect pedal formation. Well, if one of those hormones, you know, one of those swimmers swam off to the other end of the pool or dove to the bottom, what happens to all that perfect synchrony? So these hormones have to work together. They're interactive, they're interdependent. An excess of one creates a deficiency of another. And that's what we can find in hormone test results. And then last but not least are the stress hormones, the adrenal stress hormones, cortisol. We are making cortisol on a 24 seven basis to maintain blood sugar and insulin. So it's regulating our energy levels based on the fact that blood glucose is fuel for the brain, fuel for the body, but it has to be stabilized. And that's a really important key role of cortisol. Cortisol also regulates the sleep-wake cycle. And the appetite hormones are also operating on the sleep-wake cycle. So there's a big tie-in there when people's cortisol levels are off. And cortisol is also big time important for the immune response. So with cortisol issues, you know, women get not only, you know, you can have everything from fatigue and exhaustion and irritability and low libido to, to weight gain around the waist and vulnerability to illness, getting sick all the time or, or too often and not bouncing back. And also, of course, the, the big tie-in of not sleeping well. I mean, it's really, really important that people are educated about this whole thing. So I know that like hormones just, they, they really have an impact on everything, but what about weight loss? Like if someone is having issues losing weight, like what, what's going on with their hormones or what could be going on with hormones? So testing, let's say we test someone's hormones and we see an excess of estrogen relative to progesterone. So it can be that your estrogen is high or it is within range, but your progesterone is low. And that either way, mm -hmm. we, call an ex we call it excessive estrogen or we call it, you've heard the phrase estrogen dominance. When that happens, that's, that is one of the more typical scenarios for weight loss, for weight gain and an inability to lose weight. So estrogen is very tied in with water retention, bloating, 
and weight gain, there's an estrogen fat pattern distribution, which is that we tend, we tend to see the, the weight migrate to the hips, the thighs, and the, the bottom. And that's kind of the, you know, and sometimes upper back, this gets into, you know, swollen breasts, et cetera, because estrogen is a growth hormone. It increases fluid, it increases tissue growth. So it promotes mm -hmm. this weight gain. And at the same time, because progesterone is a natural diuretic as it happens, among its many other functions, if progesterone is really low and estrogen is high, then you tend to start feeling bloated, retaining water, gaining weight that is harder to lose. At the same time, a situation where estrogen is dominant can inhibit thyroid. And that's another interesting conversation. There's something called functional hypothyroidism, which refers mm -hmm. to a thyroid that is healthy and functioning, but somehow this person has hypothyroid symptoms, weight gain in particular, sluggish metabolism, inability to lose weight. And as it happens, mm -hmm. excess estrogen is actually a roadblock to the, to the conversion of thyroid hormone. So that's why for you listening, if you're one of those people that's desperate to lose weight or to figure out what's going on, why all this bloating and weight gain that you can't seem to control no matter what you do, despite your best efforts, you want to find out if you're estrogen dominance. And the other thing, especially if you have weight gain that is settling around the waist, central obesity, belly fat, that's where you got to look to your adrenals and cortisol levels because cortisol is as I said, it's regulating blood sugar and insulin. But if the adrenals are underperforming because of chronic ongoing stress or a lack of progesterone again, progesterone is really important for adrenal production of cortisol. If the adrenals start to underperform, they're not, you know, they're going to affect your diet. That's going to affect your digestion. That's going to affect ovulation. So you're not making progesterone. So you become estrogen dominant again. And it's also going to affect your food cravings. If cortisol is mm -hmm. high because there's constant stress or even low, you tend to crave sugar or salt and you tend to eat those things. You tend to overeat and that will definitely put on weight around the waist. In fact, cortisol imbalances are famous for, putting, for, for being behind the belly fat. It's all stress. The adrenals want to keep you fueled and they will create a, you know, a, a depot for, for fuel to keep, it's a survival mechanism really. And mm -hmm. the depot for storing extra fuel is really the abdomen because yeah. in an emergency that could be, you know, that fuel could be easily dissipated and create energy. But so there are the big, and also testosterone. If testosterone is high, we see central obesity. If testosterone is low, we see loss of lean muscle mass. And what replaces lean muscle but body fat? So actually, all of these hormones that we're talking about here are involved in, in weight gain or difficult weight loss. There's one more thing I didn't mention while we're on the subject of weight gain. With cortisol, and we, men, we measure morning, noon, afternoon, evening, night cortisol. People who have a high night cortisol, which mm -hmm. is the reverse of where it should be, it should be low at night to prepare you for calming and sleep. 
that a lot of people are high at night, either because they're eating late, they're having wine late, they're working out late, they're just chronically stressed, whatever, they're on their laptop or computer, which definitely depletes melatonin, so cortisol gets higher. But the problem here is that high night cortisol disrupts appetite hormones, ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone that increases feelings of hunger. Ghrelin is the hormone that tells you you're full. And when you don't sleep and when cortisol levels are off, those appetite hormones become reversed. So now you're hungry all the time and you're never getting the signal that you're full. You don't get that satiety mm -hmm. signal. So there's a big, so that leads to overeating and craving. Yeah. So there are all these tie-ins, you know, it's that, it's the orchestra, the synchronized swimmers, they're all interdependent. And though we will never be in perfect balance, the awareness of this and the fact that we can do things to create a better balance of this hormonal milieu is, you know, numero uno important for people who want to get a handle on their weight. So then if you are estrogen dominant, what are a few things you can do to balance out estrogen or what are like, are there any kind of just overarching things that you can do to ensure that your estrogen is in like a good place? Yeah. I mean, first I want to just reiterate the symptoms of estrogen dominance or excess estrogen are going to be that you have heavy, usually it will be heavy, painful periods or and not everybody's going to have the same heaviness, but they're, they're usually longer periods or shorter periods, heavier, painful, because that estrogen has been growing that lining. It keeps thickening that uterine lining because it doesn't have the balancing power of, of progesterone. So um, mm -hmm. there's that, there's tender breasts and the PMS symptoms I mentioned and weight gain. So first of all, if we're on birth control, that's something to look at. Can we, can we try to especially if you've been on it for many years, especially if you're not using it for contraception, good time to take a break, give your body and brain a break and allow your hormones to, to restore themselves to natural levels. One of the things that can be a big help in that arena and that can help to, to restore normal hormone levels, especially of estrogen and progesterone, it's hard for me to think of estrogen on its own without progesterone. They're so tied in. So when I'm talking, I'm thinking yeah. about both of those. But one of the best and most um, commonly used things, especially for younger women, to restore an estrogen progesterone balance is Vitex. Chase treeberry mm -hmm. is an herb that has been used for centuries. They think that it hits the pituitary gland, you know, the pituitary signals, the ovaries to make hormones. And um, they think that chaseberry works by by hitting that pituitary signal to increase luteinizing hormone, which, which triggers ovulation. So mm -hmm. Vitex can actually increase progesterone levels naturally. It takes longer than it would if you were to use a natural progesterone cream, a bioidentical, which we can talk about later, which many younger women have to use to get their period back, especially if they've been on birth control for 10, 20 years or 15 years. Mm -hmm. So there's a Vitex Chaseberry, there's natural progesterone cream made from plants. There's you know things like flaxseed and soy that are ways of just supporting estrogen production in, in a natural way. You don't want to overdo it with soy, especially not soy chips, soy milk, soy bars. You want soy to be fermented and eat it as the Asians do. Mm -hmm. One of the big ways to reduce estrogen dominance, 
well, the main thing is you've got to be ovulating. You, you have yeah. to be ovulating to be making progesterone to balance that, that estrogen. So B6 and B5 of the B complex are hugely important for ovulation. Not restricting protein and good fats. In the diet, protein and good fats are the building blocks of these hormones. Leaving out whole nutrient groups is not a great idea. You know, people who completely restrict carbs, you don't want to restrict complex carbs because multigrains are loaded with the minerals and the B vitamins that we need to, you know, to produce a, a good ovula ovulatory cycle, et cetera. Then things to avoid, this is a major subject too, and we're still on how to keep yourself from being estrogen dominant. So, you know, your listeners may be way ahead of me here, but I still talk to women who are not aware that there are hormones, synthetic hormones injected into processed meat and dairy. That's one of the biggest ways or one of the most egregious ways that we get to become, we become estrogen dominant because we're unaware. You know, think about there's something like 11 different kinds of estrogen in a glass of milk. And if that, and you know, since cows are kept pregnant constantly to pump out that milk, the pregnancy keeps the cows high in estrogen levels anyway. So drinking too much dairy can be an issue in any case. But what you're looking for on the label with any kind of meat, chicken, pork, eggs, got to lift the cover of the egg carton and any dairy products should say, these animals were raised without artificial hormones. So you'll see something on a milk carton, it might say, our cows are happy cows. We don't use RBST. That's the synthetic hormone. That's what you want. You know, you, you can always go for European cheeses because the Europeans wisely have never allowed hormones to be injected into their foods. So mm -hmm. European choices are always good. But that is a huge way to avoid estrogen dominance by making sure your foods are, are hormone-free, antibiotic-free. And also, this applies to cosmetics and, and moisturizers. And Do you know the Cosmetic Safety Act hasn't been updated in 80 years? So in this wow. country, whereas in Europe, you have something like 1,400 substances that are banned from yeah. our personal care products, that's not so in this country. And as it happens, the cosmetic companies do not have to list all their ingredients. They do not have to disclose what's in their products. And some of these products have placental tissue in them. They have traces of hormones. They have, I've tested oh women my that God. are, I've tested women in menopause who are long past ovulation and their estrogen and progesterone levels are sky high. How can that be? They're using a ton of anti-aging creams and moisturizers. So then what should we look for when it comes to skincare? Like what, what is there that we can avoid? I'll tell you one product I love is You Live. It's a natural uh, skin cleansing and moisturizing product that has turmeric and all kinds of anti-inflammatories in it. You Live, U-L-I-V.com. My daughters and I use that product. I love it. It's devoid of any toxins. You, you're looking for the label that brags and says, we don't have any toxins in our cosmetics. There's a very important environmental working group, ewg.org, has a skin deep program. You can actually look up a product and see how high it is in what we call these xenoestrogens, xenoestrogens that are foreign to our body. Xeno means foreign. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about these artificial hormones. These are hormones that are like 
They're imposters. They are in yeah. this stuff that we're using on our skin, on our in our cleaning products, in our personal care products. And we are unwittingly even drinking water out of a plastic water bottle that just sat in the front seat of your car and got hot in the sun. That's that plastic has polycarbons in it, and the the, the heat turns that into these chemicals that act like estrogens. We call them xenoestrogens, as I was saying, but they're imposters, but they can mimic estrogen action in the body. And they're kind of like a birth control, a synthetic birth control, which is also xenoestrogen. By going into the cell, the target tissues of the body that all have receptor sites for these hormones, these synthetic xenos can get into that receptor site and kind of instead of opening the door nicely, they always use the metaphor of the hormone is the key, the receptor site on every cell is the door. Instead of opening the door nicely, a xeno hormone will kick the door in, get into the cell and overstimulate the hormone making machinery and just disrupt all these normal rhythms. So this is where it becomes really important. So not only the foods we eat, the products we use on our skin, in our home cleaning, and how we eat how we heat and store food. You never want to do it in plastic. You want to drink out of stainless steel water bottles. We've been onto that for a while now. That's good. And never microwaving in BPA plastic, but you know, BPA free, which also has some mm -hmm. naysayers around it. I prefer plas uh, glass or ceramic for heating and storing food. Even putting hot food in a plastic thing is going to leach those 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 estrogens for some reason they get in the body and act like estrogens and they are hard to get rid of that's where another supplement that we often recommend when people are are estrogen dominant comes in and that's called dim it, it is actually an extract of cruciferous vegetables cruciferous vegetables are what cabbage brussels sprouts cauliflower you can't eat a whole lot of those talk about bloating yeah so you, but, but those vegetables have an ingredient in them, an active ingredient, sulforaphane, that has been shown to help metabolize excess estrogens out of the body. Estrogens and all hormones have to be used and excreted. We don't want them to recirculate mm -hmm. or accumulate in our tissues. We want them to be metabolized properly. And as it happens with estrogens, there are three different pathways. And there's one, the best pathway is the one you want to, you hope your estrogens are metabolizing down. And DIM is a good way to make that happen. And it also actually helps with skin issues because estrogen being in excess can be so inflammatory. But, you know, the main thing should be awareness of to how to avoid excess estrogen in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there's not a lot of, the thing is that like, I didn't learn about what was in my cleaning products until like maybe three, four years back, yeah. which is, it's crazy, right? That there's like compounds in there that are xenoestrogens and I had no idea about them. So it's really fascinating. And you're not alone. That's like so many women and so many women your age don't even think about hormones. They just get on the birth control pill. They think hormones have to do with menopause. And hormones mm -hmm, have, mm -hmm. uh, as I said before, they rule everything, our energy, our moods, our memory, our sex drive, our weight, you know, and where we put on weight and whether we can lose it. And, yeah. 
you know, all, all of this, our, our ability to think straight. So it's just really an important thing to get a handle on this at any age. When it comes to fatigue, because this is also like something that's really common, right? Like in the middle of the day, people are fatigued. Why is that? Some of the reasons for that are being on the cell phone and computer too late at night so that, you know, right before bed, people are playing words with friends, they're reading on their Kindle, they're letting that blue light shine into their eyes. Better to read a real book and let the light shine on the book, not on your eyes, because that's going to deplete melatonin and you're going to wake up feeling fatigued. It's already a hit to your adrenals and you're not going to have... Anything you do that increases stress, and stress, like I said, is many things, but one of the biggest stressors is overtraining and working out to an extreme. Now, we were talking about weight gain. How many women are spinning constantly or doing high-intensity workouts every day of the week and not balancing it with lower intensity like Pilates or yoga or swimming, but no, they're up, up, you know, working out constantly they're running, they're running, 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 you know, burning the candle at both ends. And that is going to deplete adrenal response. There's something called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. This is actually the overall feedback loop for, for regulating the stress response. But when we kind of focus on the adrenals in terms of testing those levels, there's a lot of fatigue among younger women. And it really has to do with this lack of ovulation and you know, stress causes also disrupts ovulation. If there's too much ongoing stress, restrictive diets, lack of protein and fats, too much exercise, and lack of sleep, all of those things, bottom line, are going to disrupt ovulation. You're not going to make enough progesterone to feed the adrenals. The adrenals are going to underperform. On the other side, the adrenals, if they have to have this constant pressure to keep, you know, to keep the pace because our lives are just crazy busy, which too many people use that description of their lives. I'm just crazy busy. Is that admirable? I don't think so. I mean, you know, so the crazy busy lifestyle creates crazy busy overworked adrenal glands that have to go into overdrive to keep up. And after a while, they just don't keep up. And the whole overall HPA axis doesn't respond to stressors as we would like them to. And the first symptom of that is fatigue. We don't, wait, we don't wake up feeling rested as we should. There's something called the cortisol awakening response. Cortisol should be highest in the morning. But so many people are flat in the morning and they're high at night, which is the exact opposite. So it's kind of the tired but wired syndrome. And that has to be turned around by you know the introduction of not eating on the go, not rushing through your meals, not restricting whole food groups, not drinking too much coffee, and the thing is, there are so many great choices. My daughter, Jess, is a health, health coach, Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She's got a great, she's actually our in-house health coach, but she has a whole swap out catalog wow, for all the amazing. foods. You, know, you, like, you like coffee? Okay, let's switch to this version of matcha, or she makes these pumpkin latte mixes and all these different things chai mixes, things that are great alternatives to coffee. Matcha, for example, it has caffeine, but it gives you a calm, less jittery, alert kind of awareness rather than the caffeinated stimulation that jacks up our blood sugar and then causes a crash. And that is a big part of our fatigue syndrome too, the fact that people's blood sugar levels are unstable because, because they're skipping meals. That gets into the 
question of intermittent fasting. And I really think intermittent fasting, especially with people whose adrenals are down and they have lots of symptoms of adrenal issues, intermittent fasting is not, especially when it gets into 16, 18 hours, is not the way to go because the adrenals just overcompensate. They're just going to put fat on your belly, the very fat you're trying to lose just to keep you fueled. But fatigue basically is, it's, a, it's an adrenal issue and we are all, you know, we cannot be running on empty and having all these restrictions and then trying to, you know, to, to, to work 24 seven and, and not, you know, we'll sleep when we die and all of that stuff. That just doesn't work. I couldn't agree more. And I think like, you know, conversations like this are important because I, you know, there's this almost like the hustle culture and glorifying busyness, which actually, yeah. yeah, And it like works so against women, I feel, you know, because you're not, you're just not optimized anymore. And like your hormones are falling behind and you're trying to burn the candles at both ends, but you know, you're exhausted. Like it's just, it's such a Toxic and we cycle. have this these complicated hormonal rhythms that we have to respect. We need to ovulate. You know, men don't have to worry yeah. about that. And women are notorious already for taking care of everyone but ourselves. You know, we're taking mm-hmm. care of the mm-hmm. kids. We Some of us in the sandwich generation have aging parents. We have young kids. We have full-time work, whether it's from home or not. I think people working from home can also be, can be very stressed, especially if the kids are also yeah. at home during COVID. That women really have, you know, they have to, they have to take that lesson that, you know, remember when you're on the airplane, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help anybody else. But we don't tend to do that. I remember it wasn't that long ago that my daughters dragged me to a pedicure for my mother's day. I had never had a pedicure. I don't want anybody to imagine what that might look like. But oh I, I really had, I just did, you know, I did those things myself. I'd never had a massage. I, maybe I'd had a massage or two. I had never had a facial. It wasn't until I was in my sixties that I started, cause I just didn't, well, what did I say? What do we say? I didn't have time. I, I had time for everybody else, but me. And so this carving out of me time, this, you know, that's one of the things with people who finally test their hormones cause they've been living with symptoms for ages you can show those test results to your husband and your partner and your family and say, see here, I'm exhausted. I need five minutes peace in the morning. And that was one of the things I told my family when I was in the throes of you know, these, this transitional change. Okay, everybody, mother is going to make a cup of English tea. She is going to go down into the living room and stare out the window and stare into space. And if she appears to be vegetating, too bad. That's where I'm at. I need time to meet myself. You know, my daughters take time. They go off. They're in happy relationships, but they take a weekend to themselves. They honor their own their own me time, and I think that is absolutely mm-hmm. instrumental. I, it's it's so true. On that note, Candice, this has been incredible, and like I think it's such a great takeaway. And all of these tips are, I think, so actionable. So tell everyone where they can find you. Yes. Go to our symptom quiz at www.yourhormonebalance.com. You can order a test kit online. I would like to offer your your listeners a $50 discount if they just use the code SIF. We also have a great Instagram that is, we're very, we're very intent and our passion is to provide education. So at yourhormonebalance.com, we post every day. We've got questions and answers, interviews, reels, all tons of information. We have a newsletter, sign up for the newsletter. That's the way to go. 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Candice. I'm so excited for everyone to take this test and, you know, get all this information. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif Hyder. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. Thank you.